One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program. Welcome to another sparkling edition of Plank of the Week. We bring it to you now in podcast version because of the lockdown. We're not allowed to bring anybody into the building and film them, much to my chagrin, I'm afraid. But this morning, uh, I'm very glad to tell you uh, that we are in the company of a Daily Star columnist and extraordinary journalist, uh, Ms Dawn Neeson. And uh, we're also going to be joined today by the editor of CapEx, John Ashmore. Very good, uh, A very good morning to you and a warm welcome, guys. Morning. Thank you very much indeed for joining us. Now, I have to tell you, uh, with each week that passes, it becomes more and more difficult to limit the number of planks to 10 and to limit the number of nominations individually coming from us to three each. But that's what we've had to do. That's the task that we've got. And so without further ado, uh, let's go first to Dawn Neeson. Dawn, tell us who your first nomination is. Right, OK, as you say, Mike, it is incredibly difficult to narrow it down and, and getting harder every week. So I don't envy your job on a weekly basis here. However, my first one is an absolute shoo-in. I think I've got this in the bag already. It's Billy Joe Saunders. He is the WB, WBO super middleweight boxing champion who used a punch bag to demonstrate how to react if, quoting him, your old woman is giving you mouth during your lockdown. Now, he, um, he posted this online, proving that he's not actually the sharpest tool in the box, literally demonstrating how to smack your wife, girlfriend in the face if she was giving you lip. And, and you know, I think, OK, he's joking. This is a sense of humour. But honestly, he was like, he looked like he was deadly serious. It was one of the most shocking things I've ever seen. Now, um, he has had his, uh, um, his boxing uh, licence suspended by the British Boxing Board of Control, thankfully. But, I mean, it was just, what was he thinking? I do not understand. There was no humour in it. It was like, literally, him in his garage throwing a right hook and then a left hook at a punch bag, demonstrating how to, how to literally probably kill your wife. Yeah, unbelievable stuff. And I was watching that quite incredulously, right? And some people, believe it or not, on Twitter were sort of defending him, saying, well, it's about free speech, isn't it? You know, you're allowed to say whatever you want. I don't want to be part of this society where you're not allowed to say what you think. He was only joking. Well, like you, Dawn, I didn't think he was joking. And let's not forget, this is the same guy who filmed himself offering crack cocaine to a prostitute in exchange for sex. So I don't know what's wrong with Billy Joe no, Saunders. Mike, but he really... I'm like you. I, I'm so not a snowflake. You know, everyone's got a right. You know, I get black humour, I get jokes. And, you know, obviously during these times, we all do need to have a giggle and a bit of black humour here and there. It is it's good. But, I mean, this was just appalling. And especially, Mike, in the week that... 
we already know that, that nine deaths have occurred due to potential, very probably, domestic violence incidences caused by people being locked in together. So this was not funny, and this man is, is rising plankton to a new level. Absolutely right. John, I'm sure you would go along uh, with that one. Uh, what have you got for us? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, my first one is uh, the chairman of my football club, Daniel Levy, um, who <laughs> has coupled furloughing 550 non-playing staff with the announcement of his salary last year, which included not only 4 million quid basic, which is the highest in the league, but another 3 million for completing a stadium, which uh, was actually nine months late uh, or something like that. Now, I mean, I've always been a a pretty big supporter of him, but even I can't, you know, (laughs) back him uh, after that. The timing is just unbelievably awful. It really is. And it makes him look totally out of touch. Yeah. And Dawn, you'll be terribly disappointed that uh, Daniel Levy's on the list, won't you? I will. I mean, you know, obviously, as a West Ham fan, I, you know, one of my other planks, um, so I totally agree with John on this, was going to be Daniel, because I just can't quite believe what he has said. And, and basically, they're, they're actually not paying the ordinary staff, are they, properly? So, there's some, you know, they're not paying the ordinary staff, but they're still um, paying the footballers who are on multi-million pound contracts because they're scared that, you know, it's going to affect their transfer value and the transfer market. And in defence of Tottenham's big rivals, West Ham, we are actually paying all our staff um, their full wages during this crisis. So, well, well, fair play to West Ham, but yeah, Daniel Levy, plank. Yeah, I mean, certainly he's not alone. I mean, I, th- I think I read that Newcastle were doing the same thing. And also, of course... Um, on the other side of the coin, Barcelona, I think, they've actually said to their players they're giving them a three, 33% pay cut. So they're taking a third of their money off them in order to keep paying the rest of the people that work for the football club who are not multi-millionaires, which seems to be the sensible way to go, doesn't it, John? Yeah, I, I think that, that's right. But also, it's one of those things where, um, and we'll see it with one of my other planks, but it's when you say something and then you do stuff that completely contradicts it. So back in on, on the 18th of March, Levy did a statement and he said... We shall all need to work together to ensure the impact of this crisis doesn't undermine the stability of the club. It's like, well, then you've done this. Yes. And it just, uh, yeah, it it really sticks in the craw. It really does. And I'm sure a lot of of Tottenham fans will will be on your side on that one as well. Uh, There's going to be a bit of a sporty theme, I think, to the planks this week because uh, we've already got a boxer and a football owner, football club owner. I'm going to go with uh, uh, a scientist, first of all, this time around because uh, you might remember the Imperial College guy, Neil Ferguson, uh, who's been advising the government on the coronavirus sort of situation? He came out at the beginning of the uh, the, the, the sort of the process of all of this uh, with what was only what was a kind of a, a medical version of Operation Yellowhammer. You know, what was the worst case scenario uh, if we got coronavirus in this country? And he basically said that probably half a million people would die, and that would be perhaps the upper level of the estimation but it was an awfully big number and an awful mm. lot of people started using that number and saying you know this is very serious half a million people could die to which i would always say well yeah but that's clearly the worst case scenario it's like operation Yellowhammer when they said all the ports are going to be shut down we wouldn't have any food we wouldn't have any medicine after brexit and all of that it turns out that even he has now reversed himself and said actually i think we might have overestimated that a bit uh, but we could still lose twenty thousand people now of course that's a massive number and i'm not in any way diminishing it but it's a hell of a change from 500,000 back down to 20,000. I mean, how do you get that so wrong, John? Yeah, I mean, very (laughs) difficult to say. I I do have some sympathy with people trying to put these models together because there's so many kind of imponderable elements to it, um, you know, and it's probably beyond the comprehension of most um, 
mere mortals. I did see something about him being part of the team that said 150,000 people were going to die of BSE, though, which I think has um, yes. sort of undermined it. So I remember that, that really brought me back to my childhood and when everyone thought that you know, half the population was about to drop dead if they ate a beef burger. Um, well, that's right. Yeah, so, it I mean, does undermine confidence. He does. I mean, yeah, I he does. He does have form, and this is the trouble, though, because so much of what we now do in modern society, Dawn, is is based upon the estimates of all of these scientists, who we all assume are experts in their field. But at the end of the day, all they're actually doing is predicting stuff. Dawn. Yeah, and and it's 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 normally the worst case scenario, Mike. And uh, the one thing I have really hated about the situation we find ourselves now in is the fact that and you know as i said i'm not a snowflake but the way people's mental health is being ignored and neglected and i think you know with neil ferguson putting putting stats and figures out like that that are a worst case scenario you're terrifying an already anxious and worried population we just don't need to do that and and the fact that is downgraded his figures is great but he should have been more careful with the figures and the language the language that some of the experts are using and certainly a lot of the media are still using as well it's it's terrifying people that do not need any more terrifying yes i think yeah i just want to pick up on the media thing i think that having worked in when i was a journalist well, sort of lobby journalists before this, I think there is a tendency to take the highest figure, mm. make that the headline, and then everyone takes that as if it's the figure from any given report. And I think that's a really kind of dangerous thing at a time like this. Very much especially. So. Yeah, because also we saw that guy from The Lancet, uh, the editor of The Lancet, who's got previous as well, because he was the guy that, that sort of gave publicity to the anti-vaccine campaign all those years ago. Um, he was in January telling everyone not to be so excitable about the coronavirus and that it wouldn't get anywhere near as bad as people were predicting. And, of course, now he's saying the complete opposite. So you have to be very careful when you take any of these, you know, so-called experts into, uh, into the building, as it were, and, and believe every single word that they say. You know, Mike, I think the best thing most people could, obviously not journalists like us because we need to be immersed in it, but I think the, the best thing most people can do is turn off their tellies, put a good film on, have a glass of wine and just ignore it for a couple of hours. It's the best thing you can do for your mental health. Just yeah. get out of it for a couple of hours and escape. I think that's yeah. very, very good advice. And I'll tell you what, that's why we keep doing Plank of the Week, because people keep saying to me, you know, why don't you do something a bit more positive about how good people are being? And I'm like, well, that's all very well, but it's not very funny. So let's do Plank <laughs> of the Week because it's, it's far more amusing. And I want to hear your second nomination, please, Dawn. Right, my second nomination, oh, oh God, I know you're going to hate me. I do this. It's a regular Harry and Meghan. (laughs) I'm sorry, they are still in my face. You know, like the face hugger in Alien? Yes. You cannot get rid of Harry and Meghan. Um, And today, the 1st of April, I love that date, is the first time that they are officially on their own. They've cut their ties, in theory, with the royal family, and they are, are settled as a, an ordinary um, young couple in L.A. Now, the fact that they have fled, you know, the wilds of Canada, which is a coronavirus hotspot for absolutely nobody, to settle in L.A., which is Lurgy Central, is, is like, that, that's bypass them. That's, 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 that's fine. That's a sensible thing to do, isn't it? Okay. But I think more the reason they've done this is for Little Miss Sparkle's career, don't forget she's um, got that voiceover of an elephant or something or other for Disney. So, you know, this is, was this Meghan's plan all along? 
You know, she's got Harry out there now. She's got her Hollywood career. Um, and, and, you know, they've announced grandly today that they are paying for their own security, which is probably going to cost them £4 million a year. But yes. if you drill down into it, Harry's still being funded by Daddy. And Harry's daddy, Prince Charles, funded. Oh, that would be mostly us still, won't it? Yeah, mm. and, and also let's not forget that in the midst of uh, all of that business last week when people were dying all over the world, that Meghan decided it would be a great idea to put out her little press release that she was oh, doing yes. this lovely, um, you know, Disney voiceover and it was her first venture with Disney, which, of course, famously, Harry asked for the job of. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And, 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 you know, it's actually been slated as well. She's not even very good at it. No, I'm Evidently sure she's it's not. Quite nauseating. Well, go figure. Who'd have thought that? John, are you a royalist? No, I, I'm actually quite. I do my best to sort of steer clear of royal news where I can. <laughs> I don't really have. I'm a sort of um, casual. I don't know. I'm. I'm indifferent to them. I'd say, Mike. <laughs> I, I don't dislike any any of them particularly. I think the Queen's a stalwart and all that, but I'm not like one of these. I'm not going to go and wave my little flag around or anything like that. No, of course. But I mean, this is the other interesting thing, Dawn. As you say, they've gone to uh, Los Angeles, which not only is about to become probably the epicentre of the coronavirus, but they want to live in Malibu. Apparently, uh, they've got about 12 million to spend on a house, which, believe it or not, doesn't get you much in Malibu. Well, to I be thought, fair. I, I a starter home, shall we call it? Yeah, it's a, start, a starter oh, home, yeah. about 20 million quid. But the other problem with Malibu, right, is it goes on fire once a year, uh, and when the fire's finished, uh, there's then a load of mudslides, and you can't get there by car because it's so busy, the road that goes up the coast there, you know, from, from sort of West Hollywood all the way up to, uh, to Malibu. And it's a beautiful part of the world. But, you know, good luck getting in and out, and good luck living there without having your house set on fire. Well, quite. I mean, you know, why don't they come back to Frogmore Cottage? Oh, actually, talking of Frogmore Cottage, I'm not sure they've actually paid that £2.4 million lower well, yet, have they? Well, I don't know. Nobody's confirmed. I've never, I'd like to see the receipt, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, I want my share of it, to be honest. Well, I said the other week, uh, when all this was still going on and it was occupying our minds before coronavirus, that, you know, we should all surely get a free weekend in, in the Frogmore Cottage for the amount of money we've lent them and idea. given them. And we could all, you know, we could, you know, that would keep the place going because you know what houses get like if nobody lives in them. You know, they get a bit sort of, you know, fusty and not very nice and they smell funny. I think they should rent it out once a week to somebody. You could have a lottery system of some kind and we would all get to spend a weekend in Frogmore Cottage. What's wrong with that? It's only got ten bedrooms, so it's a bit cramped, though, isn't it? Very really? small cottage. Yeah, they think that by calling it a cottage, people <laughs> will think it's like a little, little thatched cottage out of, uh, out of Charles Dickens or something. Absolutely unbelievable. What's your second one, John? My second one, it's not actually a person, it's an organisation, but uh, I'm going to go for Derbyshire Police oh, yes. for um, dyeing that lake black <laughs> to try and stop people going. And also for um, putting drones around, sort of tracking dog walkers. It's just absolutely ridiculous. Um, especially when, you know, the police have spent the last 10 years complaining about um, cuts and, and all that stuff. If they've got time to do this kind of nonsense, then, you know, yeah. maybe we should cut their budgets some more. Well, it's, <laughs> well, it's amazing, isn't it, how we've been told for so many years that we haven't got any police officers, and now they're all out on the streets happily, you know, knocking on people's doors. There's a piece of uh, video that I saw today of some guy who's been accused of a public order offence and apparently uh, yes, that, that, that yeah. was filming yeah. a traffic warden, right? Mm. But five yeah. police officers turned up at his door mm. and he Lovely. actually quite rightly says to them, he said, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I had 8,000 quid's worth of equipment nicked out the back of my van and guess how many cops came when that happened? None. None. Yeah. Well, this is the madness about it all, isn't it? I mean, it's like, you know, the, the Derbyshire police force are, are probably the worst at the moment, although, you know, some other forces are now giving them a run for their money. Um, you know, actually, 
naming and shaming, well, not naming, but shaming on, uh, on, on public social media. Mm. Some poor couple in miles of nothingness walking their dog in, right. the, in the Peak District. I mean, that is just insane. Well, let's just hope that in Derbyshire there was no other crime going on anywhere. You know, like proper crime. I mean, you know, that's basically criminalising Fido, for God's sake. I know. It's incredible. Also, there was that guy in Golders Green in North London. Uh, who handed a ticket to a woman uh, who was in a, a bakery up there trying to basically protect her customers and herself. She was using some uh, spray, spray on chalk to make a sort of a mark on the street, telling people where they should stand so they're not too close to one another. This guy turns up and says she's cr committing some kind of act of criminal damage and gives her a fine for it. It's, yeah, it's absolutely lunacy, 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 isn't it? And that just wiped off completely normal. I mean, you know, and there was sort of like a um, look. I get the tube is for essential travel, but some of the legislation around this is a bit open to interpretation, isn't it? I mean, it's sort of like, you know, they, they, they stopped a, a poor um, woman walking through Stratford Station in East London yesterday. Is your journey essential? And they were questioning her like she'd just been burgling houses. Yeah. Oh, I know. All she was doing was taking a shopping home, the poor thing. Well, and this is like, it. Mm, but, I mean, John, you have know, you... We've got, we've, got, we've got to be careful what we wish for with the police state here. I get there are rules. I get we all need to keep safe. But I, I think some of the police forces in Derbyshire, are, as I said, are, are particularly good at this, are not covering themselves in glory. Yes. I mean, John, I get the idea that they say you shouldn't drive too far because you might come into contact with people that you shouldn't. You might need to stop for petrol. You might break down, all of that <laughs> stuff. But surely, yeah. to goodness, if you're relatively close to wherever it is you're going, and I think maybe they need to be specific, like one or two miles away, you should be allowed to go there, shouldn't you? Yeah, I really don't see what the added risk is of driving a few miles, to be perfectly honest. I get it. If, if you're that bloke who drove halfway across the country um, <laughs> to get some windows yes. with uh, your wife in the boot. <laughs> you know, I mean, that was an issue on so many levels. But, um, yes. yeah, I mean, I, I also just, I look at that in the Peak District and I see how few people there are around. And then I look at, you know, if I pop to the shops here, there are so many people. Mm. That is where they need to be kind of concentrating on really making sure everyone's apart. Because it's, it's, it's difficult. I live in an extremely densely populated um, part of London and you know there's hardly anyone around here kind of trying to keep anyone to the regulations or whatever yeah no I'm exactly the same I mean I live in, in a very busy part of London as do you Dawn and you know it's okay when you're walking along uh, the street and you're going for a little walk or whatever but I went to I had to go to get some milk basically and some bread yesterday and I was allowed into a Sainsbury's on uh, on one of the smaller you know, Sainsbury's you know because um, I've given up going to the big supermarkets. The queue to get in is so ridiculous. Mm. But I got let in by the doorman who said there was a space for me. But then I got in and all these people started sort of coming right up to me and looking at things right in front of me, which we're not supposed to be doing. And, I mean, I'm, I'm you know, I'm you know me, Dawn. I'm not exactly Mr Politically Correct. But, you know, <laughs> I have taken this thing quite seriously. And so I do try and stand at least a metre away from people if I can do that. But they don't seem to get it. Some of them just come up and stand right next to you and you're kind of going, what's wrong with you? Mm. You know? Mm. That's very true. I mean, we, we had, oh, well, I had a similar thing because sort of like Mark is sort of like taking, my husband has taken to his sofa. Um, so I'm, I'm sort of like, you know, doing the essential shopping. Mm. And, you know, there, there, was, uh, there, there were young girls, so maybe they think they were invincible. But like reaching over my shoulder to get things, it's like, hold on a minute, yeah. get away. Right. And it's like people are yeah. just not really concentrating on what they're doing still. No, they're I not. had a horrifying experience where uh, I queued for about 25 minutes. And then I got there, I was with my daughter, who's one. And the guy, the security guard, goes, "Oh, you know, you can go just, you can just go straight in." 
<laughs> I was like, what? Oh, ouch. Oops. He was like, yeah, she's uh, she's technically a vulnerable person. I was like, oh, I wish. Oh, that's so, like that's like walking, that's like going through an airport with someone in a wheelchair. My mother, my elderly yeah. mother, um, used to travel with my sister quite a bit, and my sister loved it, because wherever they turned up anywhere and she was in a wheelchair because she had difficulty walking, they went straight to the front of the immigration queue. Well, Get yourself a toddler. Get yourself, get yourself you a toddler. Or, or I, I, I think getting a toddler is a bit desperate, I think. <laughs> yes, I think, well, you know. It has very few upsides during corona times. But, <laughs> if, uh, you'd, if, you'd, if you'd met me a few years ago, Dawn, you could have had one of mine, because I would have been quite happy to give one of them away. Right, that's, OK, that's I was a, wondering where you were going with that one, Mike. I didn't, yeah, I didn't mean... I didn't mean that way, thank I, you. I didn't mean I was going to create one with you. That's not what I meant. <laughs> you know, we're both a bit old for that, I think, sadly. 1 size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At bluenile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to bluenile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at bluenile.com for $50 off your purchase. bluenile.com code LISTEN. But anyway, listen, my number two is a man that you know well, uh, Dawn, Mr. Kevin Maguire, uh, who is, I think, now associate editor of the Daily Mirror, uh, former political editor. Not because I don't like Kevin Maguire, because actually I know him quite well. I used to work with him, and I do think he's quite a decent guy. However, he wrote a column this week, right, in which he decided to say that what we need now, as soon as all this is over, is another election. Now, you know, call me old-fashioned, but one of the things we don't need after this is all over, is another election. We've had so many elections in the last few years, people are sick to death of them. And his only reasoning for it, it's a very badly reasoned column, his only reasoning for it was that basically Boris Johnson now has no mandate for anything that he's going to do because he hasn't done anything that he said he was going to do since he got elected. And I'm thinking, well, hang on a minute, he got elected on December the 13th, right? He then had about a week to go before they went home for Christmas. He then came back from Christmas, started to do a few things, and then suddenly we got infected by the coronavirus. He managed to get us out of the European Union. We managed to get out on the 31st of January, as he said we would, and yet he's accusing him of not doing anything. And, I mean, you know, what, what we also know is that if we did have another election, guess what? The Labour Party would get trounced again, wouldn't they, John? Uh, I think they probably would, yeah. I mean, Boris... Johnson, last time I checked, was on 72% approval. <laughs> um, so I don't think it's... Uh, I don't think... Uh, I, I, you know, I, I like Kevin Maguire as much as the next man, but I don't think that there would be a tactical masterstroke for Labour to go for an election. Also, I just think, like you say, the logic's faulty. Like, every government gets elected, 
and then kind of has carte blanche, let's be honest. They can sort of come up with stuff in budgets that wasn't in their manifesto. All governments do stuff that's not in their manifesto. So that, that reasoning doesn't really hold for me. No, exactly. And Dawn, I don't imagine you'd welcome another election, would you? Oh, my gosh, no, never again, thank you. I, I feel like I have done my elections. I'm with, what was that woman's name? Dorothy or Doris oh, yeah. or whatever her name was. Oh, my Brenda. God, not Brenda, yeah. I'm so with her on this one. Yeah, absolutely no, right. All right, give yeah. us your number three then, Dawn. Right, my number three, I mean, there are so many celebrities not covered. What is it about coronavirus and celebrities? I know. It, it seems to give them carte blanche to talk the most utter patronising guff you've ever heard in your entire life. Yes. Um, and it was Madonna the other week, and I thought that would take some beating. However, Kate Winslet has risen to this challenge. <laughs> she has posted online one of those sincere, we're all in this together, and this is how you get through coronavirus. I, I, I know, love, just go away. I mean, what are you going to do next? how to escape a sinking ship. I mean, you know, <laughs> who knew you were a virologist? No one. You're an actress. Shut yeah. up, go away. Yeah, but you know, she's claiming that she knows about all this stuff because she was in Contagion, she right? She was in Contagion. Yeah. She, oh, 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 Mike, Mike, Mike. She was reading the words that someone had written for her, doing the movements that someone was directing her to do. This does not make her an expert in anything apart from being an irritating celebrity. Yes. Now, I don't know if you remember, um, John, that movie that she was in where she spent most of the time in the bath, naked, because she likes to take her clothes off quite a bit, Kate. Winslet. I mean, <laughs> almost every uh, movie she's in, she takes her clothes off. I would have thought, if you're illustrating how to wash your hands and you're a Hollywood superstar, she should have done it naked in the bath, shouldn't she? <laughs> John? I mean, oh, I wouldn't, you know, I think that's it's an individual's choice on that one, Mike. But uh, <laughs> um, I think that there is a serious point here, though, which is that she's just adding a big problem with this crisis. has been the kind of chorus of people who don't have any expertise or knowledge of the subject chipping in and getting loads of airtime and people going, oh, yeah, I agree with that. It's not something this isn't something that you can kind of intuitively grasp. People don't understand. I don't really understand like exponential growth, epidemiology. But and I think that oh, come when on, celebrities John. come I'm in sure and say, "I'm sure it's a study at weekends." Oh yeah, well. <laughs> but uh, no, I think there's, there is a general point. I think that I don't, you know, that if too many people chip in with the kind of half-baked ideas, then the public are going to have no idea who to listen to and mm. kind of whose advice to trust. Yes. Well, that's obviously uh, what's going on on Twitter because all the people that used to be experts in world trade and the WTO rules that everybody <laughs> yeah. knew uh, how they operated <laughs> are, now, are now massive experts on how to beat coronavirus. It's, it's, but have you seen the latest one this week as well? This is our, um, the World Health Organization. You would have thought, sort of know what they're doing on this sort of thing. Um, they put out, um, I, think, I don't know if it's on Twitter or something, but they put out a thing saying, oh, and we've had a lovely, very useful conversation with... Lady Gaga. <laughs> oh, yeah. What? Why? Why can't shouldn't you be talking to sort of like scientists and yes. epidemiologists and virologists? Lady Gaga. Can I just come in on that one though? The, the, did you guys see the WHO guy who d ignored the question about China? Yes, yes that was amazing. Yeah, wasn't it? I think there's going to be a real reckoning with the WHO after this is done mm. because they basically parroted the Communist Party line yes. about it not being transmittable. Yes. Now, this for um, people who haven't seen this particular clip. I watched it the other day, Dawn, and it's basically a woman asking this WHO guy a question about Taiwan, and he pretends that he can't hear it, right? Mm. And it's quite ridiculous and hilarious in a way. Uh, and she then uh, sort of there's this awkward silence, and then he says, I'm sorry, I didn't hear the question. She then asks the question again, 
and he cuts off the connection, right? So it just goes blank. He then, yeah. she then calls him back again, gets him back on, on the screen, asks him for a third time, and he says, well, we've already covered that. It's, um, it's, it's just incredible. It's all, it's all a bit suspicious. They're yeah. not exactly... Are there so many people not covering themselves in glory in this, are there? It's just all a bit like, well, who do we trust? Who do we listen to? Who's getting it right? I mean, which country is getting it right? I mean, are the Swedes getting it right? Did we the Danes get it right? Is Singapore getting it right? South Korea, I think, are doing yes. a decent oh, yeah. job. But, and, yeah. you know, and that brings us all back to the testing, 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 and which is the biggest, yeah. the biggest mystery in this country at the moment. Well, it really it, is. Well, it really is. Uh, what's your third one, John? My third one is going back to sport, and it's the Aston Villa midfielder Jack Grealish. Ah, yes. Who, uh, <laughs> shortly after taking out plate. a statement telling people to stay home yeah. and save lives, went off for a party and crashed his car. Yeah, and um, you, you always wonder, don't you, when you see the words, crashed his £65,000 Range <laughs> Rover into three parked cars. Now, I don't want to cast any aspersions on him, and I presume they yeah. did breathalyse him and he, was, and, he was not, um, and he was not positive. But how do you manage to smash your car into three parked cars? They're not moving. Yeah, very odd. Mm. Especially because footballers are actually generally very good drivers, mm. as you might imagine. Right. Very fast reactions and stuff like that. But... Uh, <sighs> Yeah, it was the the thing of him sort of looking a bit dishevelled in the morning didn't really help either in the in the sun. I think it was. No, exactly right. He should have been arrested for crimes against fashion as well. I mean, I know footballers <laughs> aren't known for sartorial yeah. elegance, but I mean, what was he wearing? Indeed, Some sort of white tracksuit thing going on there. Mm. Yeah, and I mean, these people um, are not particularly well known for being careful about anything. I mean, Jack Grealish, John, has been in quite a lot of trouble in the past for his, uh, shall we say, extracurricular activities, hasn't he? Yeah, in common with... Uh, there seems to be something about footballers and cars particularly um, in sort of writing them off or getting done for drink driving or yes. something. It's like It, it might be because their lives are so constrained that they have to kind of have as much fun as they can in the few activities that they are allowed to do. Yes. I mean, um, you would think that if you were a professional athlete, knowing that your career span is quite short, that you might actually be able to control yourself for 10 years <laughs> while you're actually doing the job. And then maybe yeah. you can have all the parties you want once you've retired. I think the problem is because is now they get them in the clubs when they're sort of seven, eight yeah. years old. So yeah. they, they don't get the normal chance to grow up right. or, like, or make mistakes like normal teenagers. So they're just these kind of overgrown children. Yes. And you see the kind of... Um, they love pranks and stuff, yes. professional footballers, like literally like teenagers or right. something. Oh, they do terrible things. I remember Jason Cundy telling me some horrible stories about what he used to get up to at Chelsea, but that's that's for another time. My my final. <laughs> I'm not sure you can tell some of those. <laughs> my final um, nomination is going back to the world of Hollywood superstardom. Although maybe superstars a bit of a, a, an overstretch uh, for this mm. guy, James Corden. Um, now, James Corden seems to have become. Uh, something other than what he left this country to do, right? He's gone to Hollywood and he's become a sort of, you know, narcissistic Hollywood maniac, where before people used to quite like him. You know, when he was in Gavin and Stacey, everyone thought that was quite a cute sort of show. When he came back to do the uh, the Christmas special this year, everyone sort of smiled wryly and thought it was the best thing that was on TV over Christmas. But he has been, like everybody else over there, sort of self-isolating. And he did a show, because he does the late night show on, I can't remember which network it is, it might be NBC, um, and he basically did this monologue at the end, which was so badly acted. And as him sitting uh, at, a, at a desk with a laptop, talking directly to the camera, waving his right arm around like it didn't belong to him, and saying things like, you know, 
I've been feeling very anxious, you know, presumably while sitting in his, you know, multi-million pound Beverly Hills <laughs> pad. And he says, you know, but I've worked out that it's OK to be anxious and it's OK to feel anxious. And it's so, and what we need to do is to reach out all this kind of, you know, ridiculous speaking way that they have. And it's all very, you know, and he, and he pauses for effect. And then he says, you know, we must reach out to anyone else who feels anxious and ask them if there's anything we can do for them. And it's just like, mate, you know, you make a fortune, cheer people up. You're supposed to be a comedian. What people want in this day and age is not you holding their hand. They want you making them laugh. That not that what they should be doing? But I, I, I watched that and I couldn't quite believe. And then he played this, this music at the end of it. Was It wasn't the funeral march, but it may as well have been. It was like, oh, my God, this mm. is depressing. And as you say, you know, what, I'm loving the people on social media at the moment that are trying to cheer us up, that are putting good fun stuff out there yeah. and you know we don't need that i mean you know he's not a psychologist he doesn't understand how we're feeling and as you say i want him to cheer me up and yeah. you know you know he's a, he's a you know a, a, you know a west Ham fan and you know all that american cycle babble is coming out with now it's like what are you talking about john it's, it's a terrible tragedy for people who go from this country to america and you can watch it almost by the minute <laughs> yeah. as they kind of morph into sort of the, the the sort of you know the Meghan markle type yeah i think the word that, that sort of springs to mind when i think of james Corden these days is earnest which is strange because when he was younger he was this sort of cheeky chappy mm. obviously especially with smithy and um in gavin and stacy and yeah i just think like with any sort of with any Hollywood celebrity kind of bemoaning their fate at any time when it just strikes me as kind of very self-centered and, you know, given, <laughs> given what some people are going through during this time, the idea that anyone should have any sympathy for the likes of James Corden just baffles me. Remarkable. Yeah. So here we are, we've reached the point which Dawn will be very familiar with, because I think this is your third Planks uh, appearance, Dawn, which is a record. You're the now leading, leading, you. plank, leading Plank panellist of all time. I'm, um, an expert, I'm an expert on Planks, Mark. Yes, Can't well you why. are. Well, you've worked with a few, me included. <laughs> <laughs> now, here's the thing. Um, what we do now, John, is we pick the favourite one out of each of our three. So if, uh, if, I, if I ask you to pick which one of Dawn's you like best, uh, they, will all, oh. they will all appear in the top ten. So, Dawn, just remind him what your three are. Right, mine were Billy Joe Saunders, the boxer, Harry and Meghan, and Kate Winslet. Oh, I'm going to go with Kate Winslet. I think that's a very good choice. Mm -hmm. Very good choice indeed. Um, and now I will pick... Uh, one, Dawn, why don't you pick your your favourite one out of my three, who are um, James Corden, um, Kevin Maguire and Neil Ferguson. I am, I'm actually going to pick Neil Ferguson because I hate the scaremongering that's going on um, unnecessarily here, so I'm going to pick him. OK, and so I need to pick from your three, um, John. Just tell me your three again. So mine were Daniel Levy, Tottenham chairman, um, Derbyshire Police, sort of standing in for all police who are being busybodies and overzealous, <laughs> yes. and Jack Grealish. Yes, I think I'm going to go for Derbyshire Police, actually, because I think they definitely are uh, very much the, the zeitgeist of the moment, and they do represent all of the idiotic police people that have done stupid things. So we've now got the three. So we've got Derbyshire Police, we've got Kate Winslet, um, and we've got Neil Ferguson. So we need to reject one of them as the least relevant. It's going to be very hard to do oh this, Dawn, isn't it? And so we end up just with two. So which one would you kick out of that? It would still come in as... They would still come in as number three on the list. Ooh. I'd kick out Kate, to be honest, because okay. I think she, she's one of many celebs doing Yeah, things. yeah. All right, well, do, well, should we do that then, Dawn? 
If you have to, go on. Go Whatever. on then. Ball right. ganging up on me no, again. Thanks, that leave, that leave, see, Dawn's so competitive. She thinks she takes it personally that her nomination <laughs> doesn't make I it into like the final. Lose. So uh, the final then is between Imperial College scientist Neil Ferguson and the Derbyshire Police. I think the black dye wins it, Mike. I'm going to make my I, case. I, I can't argue with that one, Dawn. What do you say? I, uh, hmm. And yeah, go on then. Yeah, I mean, it was such a tough one, that. I mean, because they are both, I mean, you know, plank, 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 plank extraordinaire. So, all right, let's go for the Derbyshire piece. I think... Only because they tried to criminalise a dog. Yes, that's true. <laughs> that's not, I mean, these, these are multiple offenders, these guys. It's not just the black. I mean, who puts black dye in a, in a lagoon? I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. I mean, I'm going to go swimming in it. That's yeah. <laughs> I mean, I would have gone anyway. I mean, who even? I mean, where'd you even get black dye? And where would you even think of that idea? It's it's very unenvironmentally friendly. It's probably a crime if you do it and you're not a member of the police force, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They'd, they'd have to nick themselves, wouldn't they? Absolutely right. Mm. Now, I think our phone lines are just about stretched to their absolute limit. So I'm going to say thank you very much to both of you, uh, uh, John and uh, John and Dawn. Thank you so much for doing Plank of the Week this week. The Plank of the Week this week and a very worthy winner, Derbyshire Police. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 